Hey everyone, welcome to the Green Scene Podcast. I'm Jeremy Safran. TGSP is the top global cannabis podcast. Everyone has questions and we'll cover the stories that matter and showcase the guests who make a difference. This week on TGSP, back in December of last year, we told you about a company called Lifestyle Delivery Systems, or LDS. They created a sublingual strip called Canis Trips. Edibles have caused a spike in trips to the emergency room. California is yet to decide how to regulate edible products. So right now, there is virtually zero oversight into how these products are created and packaged. Every day, people are trying different forms of cannabis. We speak with Brad Eckenweiler. He's the CEO of Lifestyle Delivery Systems, and it's the company who brings us Canis Trips, a perfectly dosed sublingual strip, like a Listerine strip, but only no taste. Each molecule equidistant from each other, which gave us accurate dosing, no matter where you cut the strip, in the middle, on the side. So what's happened over the last 11 months? Today we hear an update from Brad Eckenweiler about LDS and the fascinating work that they're doing while operating in the ever-evolving cannabis market in terms of regulations and compliance, the state of California. The intent was building that strip and having the best delivery system was all we were going to have to do. We figured, you know, if we build the best strip and it, it, we build the best delivery system and it works for all these patients and it's economically more viable than any other way to do this and makes patients' medication cheaper than any other possible medication they could prescribe, we would have to win this battle. Everyone would immediately come to the same conclusion we did. Um, that wasn't the case. But as difficult as the regulation changes have been on California companies, and it has been difficult, a lot have either been scooped up or went bankrupt, LDS might have mitigated that all, simply by not dropping the ball when it came to compliance. The company Lifestyle Delivery Systems has adapted its business model since its inception and are on track to deliver some pretty great revenue projections because of that evolution of the company. But let's start at the beginning and how LDS went from an idea to a company now doing a million dollars a month in revenue. Brad Eckenweiler says the idea was first to help juvenile cancer patients, but giving them a product that was more safe than other delivery methods. By giving them a product that was more safe than other delivery methods. In 2015, a couple of the original associates at Weed Maps came to us with a proposal to build a delivery system for cannabis. So what they were looking to do was to be able to deliver cannabis to cancer patients, um, specifically to juvenile cancer patients, without smoking it or without ingesting it. Conceptually, they had, they had read some things on sublingual delivery and felt that, you know, they could make a can of strip, uh, basically, which would be an oral strip, much like a breast strip that you might see from Listerine or something else, um, but have it infused with cannabis. Our initial funding of that project wasn't enough to take the project to a proper conclusion. Um, and the individuals that had originally wanted to go forward with this project that honestly had come up with the concept and the name Canistrips and what have you basically fell short. Because we'd invested a significant amount of money, uh, we went in to see if we couldn't salvage the project. Uh, the project had a number of, of hurdles. 
uh, not the least of which was the fact of being able to manufacture the product itself in a commercial uh, environment. Initially, they were making strips on a glass table, um, laying it out like very thin jello, cutting it into squares, physically putting it into pouches and sealing those pouches. The best they were ever able to do was about 3,000 packages in a probably a 20-hour day. My first concern was the fact that I didn't see how this was going to be commercialized. Uh, the other concern was is that it appeared that the strip itself was probably not sublingual because the effects were 30 to 45 minutes later, which really meant that this, it was a slow drip. It was not sublingual uh, in its truest sense. That's where Brad met Dr. John Sanderson, LDS's chief science officer. Sanderson is a very well-respected stem cell researcher who began his career in clinical medicine specializing in diabetes. And he was also the medical director at a company you may have heard of. It's called Johnson & Johnson. Interestingly enough, I was involved in another project and had the, um, the benefit of meeting Dr. John Sanderson, who was involved in diabetes project. Um, he spent quite a bit of time playing with formulization and distribution of the product itself and how to get that into the bloodstream. And it took about 18 months and then we had uh, the patents we have now. And those patents are significant because they do actually break the membrane barrier in your mouth that your saliva and your mucal membrane in your mouth create to prevent things from getting into your bloodstream. So this formula can break that barrier for up to two minutes, which allows the majority of this cannabis, cannabinoid, flavonoid, terpene material to get into your bloodstream. The other thing that was significant was the fact that dosing is a real problem with, with cannabinoids. Uh, they tend to clump together. So you'll have concentrations, uh, which gives you a very uneven distribution of medication. What we've done, um, obviously, with Sanderson's direction is taken the product itself and nanoparticulated it into individual molecules. And then taking those individual molecules and encasing them in a liposide that's positively charged. What does that do? They will never clump together. They will always push away from each other. They will always be equidistance from each other. Why is that important? Well, there's a couple benefits for us. One, the dosing's absolute. You know if this is the concentration, no matter where you cut the strip, so it lays out perfectly flat and it, for our purposes, obviously, that makes the dosing significantly more accurate than even pharmaceutical requirements. So they had the patents and they had the science. Next step was to manufacture. Coincidence or not, Brad met with a man in Palm Springs who said, hey, I have machines that can make strips. The first step in manufacturing was proving that we could make it in a continuous production line. It was absolutely accidental that we ran into creamer coating. He could make strips. He has machines that have been making strips for years, uh, whether they be transdermal strips, whether it be scotch tape, you name it, they could make it. I agree that this was the proper approach, but the capital requirement at the time was more than we were capable of doing. 
the company got back to us some months later with a used piece of equipment that they were willing to work with us to retrofit and recalibrate to do what we wanted to do. So that accomplishment of knowing that we could actually do this in a commercial size and volume in a pharmaceutical grade equipment was obviously the next step. Today, after numerous state regulation changes that have affected most companies within this space, LDS is confident that the company's manufacturing process can produce up to a half a million strips a day. Now that's 50,000 strips an hour over a 10-hour run. It's those compliance changes that Brad said made it a little bit more difficult to get going. Big shakeup is coming to California's multi-billion dollar recreational marijuana industry. Reporter Peter Dowd on the looming deadline that could lead to a pot shortage. At dispensaries across California, cannabis consumers are stocking up on certain products while they can. All retailers have until July 1st to get rid of any pot products that do not meet state regulations. Packaging will have to include how potent products are, where they came from, and what other ingredients have been added. Everything must be tested with the results posted or else it cannot be sold. You either need to send all that product back to the lab to be tested or you need to get it off the shelf before July 1st. Compliance has been, I don't want to say it's an obstacle that would give the inference that it was something we wanted to get around or we wanted to circumvent. We don't. It's been a challenge because the compliance components have changed significantly over the last three years. Initial compliance prior to 2016 was all medical and it was all not-for-profit. Um, after 2016, uh, significant rules advanced. The problem for us is that we're not operating as a small entity. Our footprint is significant and the volume of material we produce are significant. So it's very difficult to build a large production site and protocols and organizing the facility and the packaging and everything when it's changing because we're not buying 10 packages at a time. We're buying a million packages at a time. We've thrown away more packaging than we've sold. Right now, we're, we're hoping that the um, appeals panel for the Cannabis Association, um, we just got a letter that they wanted to come visit us, and I'm hoping that, in fact, they do, because I certainly have a significant number of questions for them on the likelihood of change and when change would be anticipated. But to say that we're cautious, I would say, is an understatement. We are specifically and intentionally reluctant to do anything until we're absolutely certain of its compliance within the regulations as they evolve. So um, we have uh, set aside the strip manufacturing and probably until we get this next meeting. Now that cannabis regulations in California are finally starting to be ironed out, Brad says that finally you have companies maturing and LDS made a point to stand out on that front. They started with science and they started with real lab equipment. That, he says, is an advantage. The advancements in the last few years have been significant in that for the first time you have 
real laboratory equipment manufacturers involved. You have real manufacturing extraction, grow companies that have done things all over the world finally are involved. Um, and we've made it a point to have the best of the best at every aspect of everything we're trying to accomplish. What was clear at the time, Eckenweiler says, he wanted to mitigate the risk for the shareholders by keeping a steady hand aligned with the government and even working with them so that they had the advantage to press the green button when the state and the county was ready to go. We have had the um, California Department of Health and Safety to see the facility and asked if we would be comfortable with uh, answering questions or, or maybe helping them with some of of their protocols and of course we were more than happy to say yes to that what we've done we think is a bar that's fairly high um, the two inspectors that came through on that visit were both from the pharmaceutical side of inspection for california department of health and safety and they said that our lab was as nice as any of the pharmaceutical labs we were very uh, obviously pleased with that we're proud of what we've built. Uh, we're cautious. We, we want to believe that we've taken every possible um, a precaution to build the exact proper facility to do what it is we're doing. You know, as we go through this, we continue to evolve, as does the state. So hopefully we're on the same track. Part of that compliance assurance was that LDS had to form a nonprofit company called CSPA, a company that LDS can acquire for $100 at any moment. Here's Brad to explain that. Uh, well, initially, all the California companies had to be not-for-profit. So for a Canadian entity to have an interest in them, we built the management companies. We built, obviously, the uh, equipment companies that we own all the equipment that CSPA uses. We're the ones who built and designed the manufacturing, the nursery, the cultivation. The reasoning was obviously that there was no other avenue allowed for us to get into the industry. Um, we structured that so that we can buy that license now at any time for $100. Right now, as long as CSPA and HMC are in place, the federal government has said that those not-for-profit corporations and licenses will not be the ones that are targeted. It will first, as we understand it, be against those for-profit corporations and specifically those that are held by other entities. So um, our criminal attorneys have advised to remain in this stance until the rules change. But again, this is to protect the assets that our shareholders have paid for. You can hear more about those delays and the temporary permits from Lori Ajax. She's the chief of the California Bureau of Cannabis Control. We're going to allow for people to apply for a temporary permit. So as long as they're in compliance with their local jurisdiction, we'll be able to give them a temporary permit to operate. And it gives them four months and allows them uh, some time to get their uh, annual license. The second regulation hurdle still to be worked out in the next few weeks is actually tracking the marijuana products. Under California law, marijuana is required to be tracked from seed to sale. So, 
The company is structured to be completely compliant from their facility to the licensing agreements. Then came their distribution license. And it turns out not many within that space have been compliant. Another hurdle the company needed to get over and Brad says they have. All of a sudden, yeah, it seems like we go from one critical situation to another. We had to figure out how to make a product that was unique. We did that. We had to design our own extraction manufacturing because nobody could consistently give us product that we considered to be safe. So we created our own manufacturing. But uh, we ran into a new challenge. We applied for a transportation distribution license. And everything. But what we weren't prepared for is that our attorneys went through the regulations and said these are the things that are required to comply with the state of California, the Department of Highways, the Highway Patrol, the counties, and the state cannabis board, and the Department of Motor Vehicles. We couldn't find anyone that had all those requirements fulfilled. Anyone who we were comfortable with moving our product. So we obviously stepped up our efforts on our distribution transportation licenses. That cost us three, three months, solid three months to do it properly. We've come way too far to start taking any shortcuts. The process has definitely been a year longer than we anticipated. When Lifestyle Delivery Systems started with Canada Strips, it was definitely the main focus, but Brad and the team saw a new opportunity. According to GreenEdge, the California concentrate market is projected to hit $8 billion by 2022. This is the next phase for LDS, and it's big money too. One liter of very good quality distillate can go for as much as $12,000 a liter. And to put this into perspective, now that LDS has received and compiled their various licenses, the approach seems to be working. They published over $900,000 worth of revenue in September and is on track to do more than that this October. It started I guess partly because we were not hampered or precluded from thinking outside what was the original guaranteed way to do things, right? Everyone else was taking material, cutting it down, drying it, spending weeks trimming, and then selling this material. I could not make sense of the process. It was significantly labor-intensive. By drying the material, we were losing 20 to 30 percent of terpenes and flavonoids. The THC was still there, but all these other beneficial ancillary products, basically, that for medical purposes have an entourage effect, are reduced. We had some serious resistance from uh, the farmers that we convinced to do this, but Interestingly enough, we took these farms down, whole plant, live, froze them upon cutting them, and brought truly fresh frozen material with all the benefits in it back down to Adelanto to process. Initially, Brad says that the farmers they work with, sourcing quality flour, weren't quite sure about their approach. It wasn't until after one harvest they realized, hey, maybe this is the way to go. On the farmer side, they were very hesitant because obviously we priced the material significantly less than the manicured material that they spend some six to eight weeks on. The cost of that is $300,000. They also realized that 
they had a two-month vacation they didn't have last year. And we ended up with a product significantly different than any kind of dried material. Inadvertently, we revolutionized uh, at least this bulk manufacturing side of and coming out with a product that was better than the product that everybody else had to wait eight weeks to trim and spend all this money and it was less cost effective. So it's interesting now because we only had three farms at the time that were willing to do it. We have some 18 farms now that are willing to do it. So our ultimate goal will be too that these same farms that obviously we're also on the genetic side. So we're hoping they'll be growing the genetics we want so that we don't have to harvest from one plant to get everything we want or two plants or three plants. We can do it from one. With all the challenges with state compliance and the always changing regulations, the company is finally going ahead with their suite of operations. During the time of uncertainty, Brad says that they were still hard at work. Kind of feel like the guy owns this massive toy store and doesn't want to sell any of his toys. We says we weren't able to move it, we weren't able to sell it, um, but we had already purchased from these farms all of this fresh frozen. We just continue to process. Truth is, we're, we were, you know, as of a couple of weeks ago, we were well over $2 million in inventory. Um, some of that inventory, of course, was anticipated to go and leave in July. And now it's going to leave uh, in October. So three months lost uh, with the transportation debacle. But the product's there. But as of this week, we will start bringing product down um these same farms our timing's pretty good i'll say that about us we, we don't get many breaks but the uh, harvest is in the over the next three to four weeks and our trucks are ready this week so uh <laughs> it's one of the first times that anything has kind of fallen in our, in place for us so we take those small wins and we cherish them because we don't get many of them fascinating story you know, since we spoke to Brad about lifestyle delivery systems, they have had the two compliant vehicles within their distribution, bringing thousands of pounds of product to their facility from the farming partners that he mentioned. And they added an additional extraction machine, which would double production. Now, as you can imagine, I've seen a lot of oil in my day, and I'm really, really liking what's coming out of LDS's lab. Very pure product, terpenes are incredible, and more importantly, their clients love it. The future seems bright for this company. Don't forget to check out our website for more information and for more stories. Thank you for listening and keeping us the number one cannabis podcast. I'm Jeremy Saffron. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us on TGSP this week. We hope you like the show. Don't forget to go to our website, www.thegreenscenepodcast.com, subscribe to us, and rate our podcast. We'll catch you next week.